From executive producer Isaac Saul, this is Tangle. Good afternoon and good evening and welcome to the Tangle Podcast, the place where you get views from across the political spectrum, some independent thinking without all that hysterical nonsense you find everywhere else. I'm your host, Isaac Saul, and on today's episode, we're going to be talking about the Pennsylvania Senate race. Uh, This is an interesting race for a lot of reasons, which we'll talk about. Before we jump in, though, I want to give you a quick heads up. We are wrapping up a merchandise giveaway that we advertised in the newsletter. Uh, It's pretty simple. If you share Tangle on social media, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, whatever, or email it to friends or text it to a group chat and send in a screenshot to me, Isaac, I-S-A-A-C at readtangle.com. That's Isaac, I-S-A-A-C at readtangle.com. Just send in a screenshot of you sharing Tangle with a group of people. I will enter your name, your email into a digital hat. We're going to pull all the names, put all the names in a hat and pull one out. And then we're going to let whoever's name that is pick whatever they want from our merch store, which has hoodies, t-shirts. We have stickers, mugs. We even have baby onesies. So you could go a lot of different directions if you want. So share Tangle, send in a screenshot. We'll enter your name to win some merch. Hope you participate because we're trying to get the word out before the midterm. So it's crunch time right now. All right. With that out of the way, we'll jump in with some quick hits. First up, Senator Lindsey Graham, the Republican from South Carolina, unveiled federal legislation that would ban abortions nationally after 15 weeks of pregnancy except in cases of rape, incest, and to save the life of the mother. Number two, all three major stock indexes fell by over 4% yesterday after the latest inflation numbers were released, the worst day for the market since June of 2020. Number three, China's President Xi Jinping arrived in Kazakhstan today on his first international trip since the pandemic began. He plans to meet Russian President Vladimir Putin later this week. Number four, Delaware, New Hampshire, and Rhode Island held primary elections yesterday. In the most closely watched race, Don Bolduc, a Trump-endorsed candidate, won the Republican Senate primary in New Hampshire. Number five, Twitter's board accepted Elon Musk's $44 billion bid to buy the company. Musk is in the midst of a legal battle to withdraw the bid on claims the company misled him about the number of fake users on the app. The candidates for U.S. Senate in Pennsylvania continue to bring out the heavy hitters to campaign for them in the high-profile race. The major party candidates seeking to represent Pennsylvania in the United States Senate have spent this week sparring over vegetables. Yes. John Fetterman has agreed to a single debate with his Republican opponent, Mehmet Oz. The announcement comes after weeks of mounting pressure from Oz's campaign. Pennsylvania continues to be uh, the single biggest battleground state in the nation. All right, that is it for our quick hits, which brings us to our main story today, which is the Pennsylvania Senate race. Given its importance determining which party controls the Senate in November, This could be the most watched election nationally, and the drama is already heating up. 
So here are the basics. The race is between Lieutenant Governor John Fetterman, a Democrat, and Dr. Mehmet Oz, a Republican, who are running to replace retiring Republican Pat Toomey. Fetterman, 53, has served as Lieutenant Governor of Pennsylvania since 2019. Before that, he was the mayor of Braddock, Pennsylvania from 2006 to 2019. Fetterman has crafted a working-class image, frequently appearing in public in a hoodie and jeans. He is considered a progressive Democrat, often drawing comparisons to Senator Bernie Sanders, who endorsed him for lieutenant governor in 2018. He says healthcare is a basic human right, wants to legalize cannabis nationally, supports unions, and believes we should institute a universal pre-K and child care program. Oz, 62, is a television personality and political newcomer who started his career in medicine as a heart surgeon and professor at Columbia University. He was endorsed by former President Donald Trump and has focused much of his campaign on achieving energy independence, advocating for school choice, securing the border, and competing with China. He also talks about restricting abortion, and he recently clarified that he supports exceptions for rape, incest, or danger to the mother's life. Oz is a Turkish-American son of immigrants and is also the first Muslim candidate to be nominated by either major party for the U.S. Senate. All right, so that's the basics, and here's some of the intrigue around the race. On Fetterman's side, it's a lot about his health. Before winning the Democratic primary, Fetterman suffered a stroke. He spent five days in the hospital and has since slowly eased back into campaigning. Lingering speech issues have been apparent on the campaign trail and many have called into question his physical appearance and cognitive capacity since returning to public view. Fetterman has been avoiding a debate with Oz, citing his continuing recovery, though he just agreed to at least one in mid to late October, after Oz's campaign repeatedly pushed him to step up. Fetterman also came under increased scrutiny when the Philadelphia Inquirer published a lengthy piece about how he lived most of his adult life with support from his parents, who gave him money into his 40s. His parents gave him $54,000 in 2016 alone while he served as mayor of small-town Braddock, a job which only paid him $150 a month. Fetterman's campaign responded to the story by noting that he talks regularly about his quote-unquote cushy upbringing and has long acknowledged his parents' support, saying he opted to dedicate himself to public service rather than work a high-paying job or live off his family forever. On Oz's side, the drama has focused on Trump's endorsement. Oz faced a huge amount of pushback from the so-called MAGA base, many of whom do not believe him to be a real conservative in Trump's mold. Oz ran in a tight primary against David McCormick, a CEO who had a lot of grassroots support from Trump's base, but who conceded after a recount. Pollsters have speculated that a large enough segment of Trump's base may be uninterested enough in Oz to damage his chances in the general election. Oz has also faced controversy over his support for supplements and so-called quote-unquote miracle pills, which he actually had to testify in front of Congress about in 2014. Like Fetterman, Oz's alleged populist bona fides have also been called into question over his real estate holdings. In addition to a mansion in northern New Jersey, the celebrity surgeon has a home in Pennsylvania, both of which he publicly acknowledges. But the Daily Beast reported that Oz has at least 10 other residential properties. Fetterman's campaign has questioned whether Oz really resides in Pennsylvania, casting him as a carpetbagger by noting that most of his online presence has featured him at his New Jersey home for many years. Oz attended medical school and married in Pennsylvania and moved in with his wife's family in suburban Pennsylvania in 2020 while his Pennsylvania home was under construction. So, the current state of play? Well, 
Pennsylvania is a major battleground state, and this race could determine control of the Senate heading into the second half of Biden's term. Many pollsters believe this election will be a test of support for Biden and Trump, who are both campaigning for their respective candidates. In a single week in September, Biden visited his home state three times and Trump visited once. Pennsylvania is also going to be a testing ground for some of the biggest issues facing the country. The Philadelphia metro area, for instance, has been beset by a spike in violent crime. It has seen inflation rise 8.1% over the last year, which is just below the national average. 8 in 10 Pennsylvania voters say higher prices have been difficult or a hardship for them, according to CBS. Voters in Pennsylvania have also shown higher levels of support for abortion rights compared to other swing states, making it a key barometer of how that issue will play in 2022. Currently, Fetterman is leading Oz by about 6.5 points in real clear politics average of all polling, a relatively comfortable lead with eight weeks to go. But some recent polls have shown the race tightening. Cook Political Report rates the race as lean Democrat. Meanwhile, Oz has been ramping up his attack ads on Fetterman with a specific focus on a 2013 incident where he pulled a gun on a black jogger. Today, we're going to hear some opinions from the left and the right, and then my take. First up, we'll start with what the left is saying. The left criticizes Oz and says Fetterman will be far better for working class and black residents. Many say Oz's campaign has been an embarrassing spectacle. Some say Fetterman needs to be more transparent about his health and give voters a debate. In the New Republic, Alex Shepard said the humiliation of Dr. Oz is nearly complete. The biggest problem with Oz's candidacy is that he is an utter phony with a comical inability to conceal this fact from public view. And this is surprising, since hiding his obvious insincerity has hitherto been an important part of his skill set. Yes, Oz is an actual medical doctor, a cardiothoracic surgeon at that. But his TV persona has always had a loose relationship with actual medicine, Shepard said. He has pushed quack pills and salves for years and has been called out for it repeatedly. Pressed by NBC News about criticisms he's received, he pointed out that his namesake television show was not a medical show and observed that in its logo, the word doctor was much smaller than Oz. It's possible that things would be going better for Oz if he had a different opponent, another greasy TV host perhaps, or better yet, a conventional corporate Democrat, Shepard added. Instead, he's facing Fetterman, a burly York County native with a penchant for wearing shorts in the winter. Authenticity is a fraught quality to assess in political campaigns, where almost everything is artifice, but Fetterman makes it easier to divine than most candidates for the U.S. Senate. He certainly has the knack for outmuscling Oz in the authenticity fight, and he clearly loves rubbing his hapless opponent's nose in it. The contrast could not be more striking. In NBC News, David Love wrote about why black voters should still support Fetterman despite the 2013 incident with a black jogger. Philadelphia is two cities in one, Love said. Although it has suffered from a long legacy of racial segregation and present-day social stratification based on race, education, and geography, Philadelphia is an economically booming and gentrifying city. It has also been the poorest of the large U.S. cities in recent years, with roughly a quarter of its residents, disproportionately black and other people of color, living in poverty. Despite the world-class hospitals in Philadelphia, residents of color suffer from health disparities due to lack of access. And even with its many fine universities, only 28% of its residents, 25 and older, have earned a bachelor's degree. Philadelphia is among the worst cities in college attainment. 
Nothing the Republican Party has shown indicates that it is willing to address these crises in a meaningful way, he said. To be very clear, it's fair to criticize Fetterman for what he did, but we shouldn't be fooled into thinking that the GOP really cares about what the former mayor did to an unarmed black man or that the party is dedicated to getting black voters on its side. Not to mention, we've seen how Trump foot soldiers, such as the state's GOP gubernatorial candidate Doug Mastriano, who was recently seen posing in a 2013-2014 faculty photograph wearing a Confederate uniform, attempted to overturn the 2020 election. Indeed, Oz and his Republican supporters care nothing about black voters short of efforts to keep them away from the ballot box come November. The Washington Post editorial board said Fetterman and Oz owe voters more than one debate. Debates about debates between candidates running for office are tedious as barbs are traded over the number of matchups, the timing, the ground rules, the board said. But the one playing out in Pennsylvania between Lieutenant Governor John Fetterman and his Republican opponent in the race for U.S. Senate, Mehmet Oz, is worthy of attention. The race might well determine which party controls the Senate, and voters would benefit from seeing the two candidates exchange ideas and test each other. Mr. Fetterman has seemingly been reluctant to commit to firm debate dates, and that troubling stance has raised questions about whether he, still recovering from a serious stroke, is fit to serve in the Senate. And he should debate Mr. Oz before voters start casting their ballots. Mr. Oz, for his part, has not exactly conducted himself with glory, they added. The campaign's offer to fund, quote, any additional medical personnel Mr. Fetterman might need to have on standby during a debate, and its mocking comment about Mr. Fetterman not eating enough vegetables were sophomoric and unseemly, made worse by the fact that Mr. Oz is a cardiothoracic surgeon. Both candidates have something to prove to voters, and there's no better forum than a debate. That is it for the left is saying, which brings us to what the right is saying. The right says Fetterman's health is a real issue, but hardly his only problem. Some call out his record in Braddock, PA, as mayor. Others say Dr. Oz is right to draw attention to Fetterman's fitness. In the Washington Examiner, Elizabeth Stauffer said John Fetterman's issues go well beyond his cognitive impairment. One of Fetterman's top priorities is delivering so-called criminal justice reform. During a 2020 interview, journalist Jason Flom asked him, if you had a magic wand and you could wave it to fix one thing, what would it be? Without missing a beat, Fetterman replied, life without parole in Pennsylvania. We could save billions in revenue long term. We could save thousands of lives and not make anyone less safe. And also expunge as many permanent records of people that have been living their best lives and have been paying well beyond what they should have for a charge that they caught, you know, 10, 15, 20 years ago. Fixing life without parole in Pennsylvania was more important to this man than, say, job creation, access to quality health care for all, or making our streets safer, Stauffer said. Considering Fetterman supports the immediate release of one-third of all prison inmates in the state, this shouldn't surprise us. But perhaps the most disturbing part of Fetterman's biography is his utter failure of leadership during his tenure as the mayor of Braddock from 2006 to 2019. Braddock, a borough located in the suburbs of Pittsburgh, at a population of 1,721 at the time of the 2020 census. After losing 26% of its population in the 2000s, Braddock lost an additional 20.3% over the next decade. It would be naive to think Fetterman's progressive policies, which are to the left of even Bernie Sanders, had nothing to do with the town's decline. In The Federalist, Tristan Justice said Democrats are refusing to debate Republicans in key battleground states. 
On Sunday, Arizona Secretary of State and fall gubernatorial candidate Katie Hobbs became the latest Democrat nominee to refuse a debate with her Republican rival, Justice said. Further up north and on the West Coast, five-term Washington Senator Patty Murray is refusing to engage with Republican Senate nominee Tiffany Smiley, who challenged the incumbent lawmaker to four debates. On the East Coast, Pennsylvania Democrat Lieutenant Governor John Fetterman, who is pursuing an open Senate seat vacated by retiring GOP Senator Pat Toomey, has blamed his health for a refusal to debate Republican television Dr. Mehmet Oz. In May, Fetterman suffered a stroke where, in his words, he almost died. In refusing to debate because of his health, Fetterman, whose auditory stumbles on the campaign trail make the candidate at times seem indistinguishable from President Joe Biden, is trying to have it both ways, Justice said. On the one hand, Fetterman claimed his health precluded the Democrat nominee from taking the stage with his Republican opponent, Dr. Oz. On the other, voters are still expected to believe Fetterman is healthy enough to represent them in the upper chamber, complete with long hours on the Senate floor for a full six-year term. After blowback for bowing out of an event on September 6, Fetterman gave an interview with Politico where he pledged to participate in a single televised debate with Dr. Oz scheduled for October. In the Philadelphia Inquirer, Kyle Salmon said it is fair to question Fetterman's fitness. The exact degree to which Fetterman was incapacitated by his stroke in May is still unknown, mostly because the candidate and his campaign have worked hard to hide it, Salmon wrote. They initially acted like the incident was minor, which worked long enough to win the primary. Doctors questioned the story soon after, and the campaign was forced to admit that there was more than they were telling, and that the lieutenant governor was still dealing with issues related to auditory processing and speech, but not until after the August 15th deadline for replacing a candidate had passed. It's not clear why the campaign waited so long. Maybe they thought Fetterman would be back to full health by now, but that was always unlikely. According to stroke expert Ray Reichwin at Penn State Health Milton S. Hershey Medical Center, only 25% of people who experience the same stroke as Fetterman fully recover their mental faculties, Salmon wrote. The Oz team was absolutely correct to raise the question of their opponent's cognitive fitness, especially when no one was willing to talk about it. But the campaign did it in the most ham-handed and crude way possible, with tweets and statements later walked back by the candidate that seemed to poke fun at Fetterman's health. It let Fetterman off the hook, allowing him to spin the story as Oz making fun of his disability, rather than putting the focus on where it should be, on the disability itself. All right, that is it for what the left and the right are saying, which brings us to my take. So as a policy, as many of you who've been listening for a while know, Tangled does not endorse candidates. So if you're looking for that here, you can just stop listening because you're not going to get it. Of course, given that I recently moved back to Pennsylvania, this election is particularly interesting to me. I was excited to dive in today given how much national attention it's now getting. For starters, let me just say both campaigns basically stink to high heaven. I mean, Fetterman's clearly not okay. And I give his office for conceding he's having auditory and processing issues, whatever that means. Most campaigns probably wouldn't even concede that. But he had a stroke. His campaign tried to pretend it wasn't that big of a deal, then conceded it was a huge deal. And he has been dodging any debates when voting will start soon. And now Fetterman is back in public and he just doesn't look or sound right. Any voter casting a ballot in Pennsylvania should have a clear understanding of what exactly is the status of his recovery. So a debate might help, though after what we witnessed in Trump versus Biden, you'll excuse me if my faith in debates is all but shot. 
At the very least, it'd be nice to see these guys address major issues in front of the cameras. By any normal standards, Fetterman's role as mayor of a tiny town that did not seem to go particularly well, and his brief stint as lieutenant governor would be bordering on the edge of qualified for the U.S. Senate. But when you're running against a TV celebrity heart surgeon who pushes evidence-free medical advice, that kind of resume truly makes you look like a seasoned politician. Oz, for his part, appears to be a professional obscurer. His 10 homes are somehow magically two. His Jersey residence is somehow suburban Philadelphia. His 100% pro-life stance is somehow moderate, and so on. John Fetterman's fairly absurd response that his magic wand resolution would be ending life without parole and not, say, homelessness or poverty or healthcare prices or broken education or crime or, you know, a million other things, was also mind-boggling and out of touch. But good luck trying to figure out what Oz even believes. His issues page on his website, where most candidates flesh out policy positions, has a four-sentence explanation for how he would quote-unquote fix the economy. His fix for illegal immigration is a secure border with a barrier, whether that's a physical wall or one patrolled by technological advances. Innovative. If Fetterman is the face of failing forward, Oz is the embodiment of everything wrong with running TV celebrities who have no experience governing. The most intriguing question to me is what kind of support Oz gets from Republicans. He was a divisive pick for a Trump endorsement, and enthusiasm about voting for him among Republicans does not look strong. One reason Fetterman may be ducking debates, aside from his health issues, is that he likes how the polls look and doesn't see a reason to roll the dice. That's a bad excuse, to be clear, and voters deserve a debate. I'm also skeptical of the polls, but even with our broken polling, a 5-10 to 10 point lead is a pretty safe one, and Fetterman appears to have the upper hand right now. Of course, the abortion issue seems crucial to keep an eye on, too. A wave of women registering to vote in Pennsylvania could have a big impact on 2022, making this race one of the most interesting, as well as one of the most critical for Senate control in the whole cycle. All right, that is it for my take, which brings us to your questions answered. This one is from Richard in Houston, Texas, and it's about our newsletter we ran on the southern border last week. He said, in reference to immigration, what do you mean when you say busing immigrants to Washington, New York, or Chicago is cruel? The immigrants are not forced to go on a bus to one of these cities. They're given the choice. If they do not want to go to one of the cities, they stay in the border town where they cross. I suspect many of them want to go to one of the major towns in the north. They look forward to a free bus ride. The rest of them think it might be easier to find a job in one of the northern cities than it is to find a job in Texas. So, Richard, to be clear, this is what I wrote, quote, there's no way around the fact that he, Abbott, is toying with human lives as political theater. It's not as if he's shipping migrants off to a work camp. Some very well may end up better off being sent to Washington, D.C., New York, or Chicago instead of staying in Texas, where resources are already strained and the welcome they get may be much less friendly, end quote. So the reason I find it cruel is that Abbott is not doing it because he's interested in the well-being of the migrants. He isn't saying, we're going to send the migrants to New York and Washington, D.C. because they will be better served there, and we're going to coordinate this whole response to get them there safely and make sure they get the resources they need. He's doing it to apply political pressure, to force politicians there to reckon with the border, and to get attention on the issue. As I also said in my take, I think that's smart, and politically it appears to be working. But we don't have to pretend he is well-intentioned or cares about the outcome for those migrants who are human beings that deserve dignity. And for whatever it's worth, the question of how quote-unquote voluntary this is, at the least, is up for debate. 
Some migrants say they're being bused under false pretenses, and New York City Mayor Eric Adams has said some are coming involuntarily. Given that there is little or no coordination and many asylum seekers arrive at the border with serious health issues, there's a lot wrong with this whole thing. Like I said, some will end up better off, and I of course agree with you that some want to head north. I'm sure that's true for a lot of them. As I put it before though, I'd actually support this kind of policy if it was coordinated and organized. I just don't love it when it's political theater like this. All right, that is it for your questions answered, which brings us to our under the radar section. The race to recycle batteries is on. The world's biggest automakers are betting that recycled material from old batteries can be used to help supply the elements needed for batteries in new electric cars. More than $300 million is being invested into Ascend Elements, a startup that says it has an efficient way to turn lithium-ion batteries into new components. Ascend Elements and other startups like it are trying to capitalize on the funding from the Inflation Reduction Act and jockey for large customers like automakers who need to meet electric vehicle goals. Across the board, carmakers are trying to limit their reliance on China. The Wall Street Journal has the story, and there's a link to it in today's podcast description. All right, next up is our numbers section. John Fetterman's lead over Mehmet Oz among likely voters in the latest poll on the race from CBS News is 52 to 47. The percentage of Democratic voters who say they are very enthusiastic about voting for John Fetterman is 63%. The percentage of Republican voters who say they are very enthusiastic about voting for Mehmet Oz is 36%. Democrats' current lead over Republicans in generic polling of congressional candidates is 45 to 43.8%. The day in September that absentee and mail-in ballots become available in Pennsylvania is the 19th. The number of debates Mehmet Oz suggested he and John Fetterman participate in was five. All right, and last but not least, our Have a Nice Day section. One of the largest creatures in nature and one of man's largest creative machines avoided colliding this week. Mediterranean shipping company, MSC, which hosts the largest container fleet in the world, is rerouting its vessels to protect a pod of blue whales, the largest animals on Earth. The whales were swimming outside Sri Lanka, and conservation groups suggested the move, noting that it could avoid collisions with the boats and preserve the blue whales, which are endangered. The massive animals can grow to be 80 feet long and live for 80 years. MSC's largest ship is over 1,200 feet long and can carry 24,756 20-foot containers. Business Insider has the story, and there's a link to it in today's podcast description. All right, everybody, that is it for the podcast. As always, we are pushing to get the word out. It's midterm season now. We're in September, election two months away. This is a great time for us to get new readers and listeners to Tangle. So please consider spreading the word about Tangle. And remember, in the next 24 hours, if you take a screenshot of you sharing Tangle and send it to me, Isaac at readtangle.com, I-S-A-A-C at readtangle.com, I'll enter you to win some free merch. We'll be right back here tomorrow, same time. Have a good one. Peace. Our podcast is written by me, Isaac Saul, and edited and produced by Trevor Eichhorn. Our script is edited by Ari Weitzman, Sean Brady, and Bailey Saul. Shout out to our interns, Audrey Moorhead and Watkins Kelly, and our social media manager, Magdalena Bakova, who designed our logo. Music for the podcast was produced by Diet75. 
For more from Tangle, subscribe to our newsletter or check out our website at www.readtangle.com.